Hello and welcome to another edition of the Drinks Break podcast. I'm your host, Charlie, and I hope I'm joined by Mark. Mark, are you there, mate? I'm here, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, yeah, good to be back on the podcast. It seems like a while since we've done a preview um, slash review, which isn't much of a review this week, but, you know, it feels like we haven't done one for a while, is it? Yeah, it's been a couple of weeks for you and me, hasn't it? So uh, it's good to be back together doing this and looking forward to another busy weekend of football with some big games coming up. Yeah, absolutely. We record this on Wednesday morning, just gone 11 o'clock. Um, international break finishes tonight, so no more international football until March. So I think you can hear the sarcasm again, Mark. I, this won't be sarcasm when I say hallelujah. I'll be relieved that it's all over. Hallelujah, he says. Now, <laughs> now, let's get into this week's podcast. Your eyes do not deceive you. The title is, of course, Curtains for Cuckoo. Now, you might think, what's that? Some might know what that already is. But if you look back, I think it was about episode 13, we spoke about the departure of Zabri Lamucci from Nottingham Forest. And Mark made a statement saying it would be um, Philip Cuckoo who would be next to leave the club, obviously in the championship. Now, we did have the Barnes manager leave, but that was a bit different on the circumstances. But we're going to say this is the next manager that did leave. So once again, Mark has got it right. So there you go, Mark. Curses for Koku has happened. It has happened, yeah. I, I will uh, pick you up on one point and say that obviously Gary Monk has since left Sheffield Wednesday as well. So he has, I was a little yeah. bit further out than, uh, than I made out. I said he was going to be next, but he was the third next, to be fair. But um, it was inevitable. It was going to happen because the, the, the football at Derby and the, the form this season has just been unacceptable. You know, when you look at the, the lowest goal scorers in the division, um, for only five goals so far, only got one win to their name. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not good for a team that over the last, I don't know, five to ten years probably have always been on the outskirts of the top six in the championship, just never quite made the uh, the, the jump back into the Premier League. And, um, and, and in my opinion, out of sort of all the managerial appointments that Derby have made over the last few years, all the people that have been in charge there, Philip Koku was probably the one that didn't speak out as someone who could potentially bring them to that, that Premier League um, football. And I think we saw that last season, that the, the form just wasn't there it wasn't consistent they had good days and 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 bad days just on a regular occurrence and um and and that's continued on into this season and and to be propping up the 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 championship table is is unacceptable for for a team like derby so they need to uh they need to turn it around yeah absolutely mate it's quite funny because we normally start off with the premier league but this was something we had to share with you because we spoke about it uh, a while back but I was just looking through um, Skybet this morning, looking at the betting odds for the managers in question who, you know, we always hear links. And the top three, Mark, this might interest you quite a lot. I was very surprised when I saw this. Wayne Rooney favourite, John Terry second favourite, and Rafa Benitez third favourite. I had heard about that. I had heard that Rafa was potentially being lined up for a, another move into the championship, which he has, you know, he's, he's been in before. He, he obviously went down with, uh, with Newcastle and, and got them out of the championship. That, I mean, that would be a peculiar, peculiar person to, to go into that job. I think, um, you know, as, as much as I think, why on earth would they do it? I think 
it makes sense probably for for Rooney to to make the step up, I guess, out of all of those managers. You know, he's he's gonna be someone who's gonna wanna follow along the likes of Lampard and Gerard and all those from that golden generation and move into the to the coaching and he has been doing coaching obviously alongside Koku at, at Derby. Um do I think it's the right time probably for him to be appointed? Possibly not, but um it, it I suppose it does make the most feasible sense at this point, I'm not too sure. Yeah, it's the sort of thing where they need someone to go in there at least for the weekend at least. So he'll be in charge there. If I was gonna be honest with you, Mark, the person I would say would be suited for someone like Derby, it'd be someone like Eddie Howe. I don't know what you think to that. With with Eddie I suppose with Eddie not in management, yes, I, I do agree. Um I don't I it's difficult because you see what Eddie Howe he had an attempt away from Bournemouth, didn't he? Um a good few years ago now and, and everyone sort of obviously associates Eddie Howe with, with Bournemouth and what he achieved there and, and that he was just the star there but um, it, it didn't work when he went to Burnley and maybe it was just because it was a different mould to to what he prefers and what he what he had built upon at Bournemouth so I, I would make it. It would make sense from a Derby perspective to bring in a guy with with the experience and the knowledge that Eddie Howe has as a manager. But whether Eddie Howe would want to go to Derby in this current situation, I'm not too sure. Potentially so, but it's a bit different, like you say, to when he left Bournemouth because it wasn't like he was managerless. He was actually with Bournemouth, and then I think Burnley paid out his contract paid some compensation fee to take him to Burnley. So, you know, it's, it's a bit different this time round, but that's a club that needs someone to really go in there, put their authority in and get that club back where they belong, which is challenging for the playoffs at least, because like you say, last season, they just weren't there, had a good bit of um, form after lockdown, but it was a case of little too late. And this season, again, they've started off really poor. So, you know, it's it's unfortunate for Koku and himself, but the right decision was made. So, there we go. Curtains for Koku, Mark. Looking forward to seeing that as the episode title, finally. It will be, yeah. <laughs> Just about um, six or seven episodes too late, I think. <laughs> yeah, I reckon so. Yeah, far too late, in my opinion. But because we started with the Championship, we might as well continue with the Championship before we move on with the Premier League. Yeah. So, there was something that I wanted to talk about. Um on Saturday, there's a big game. I'm going to be biased to myself, but it's Mill versus Cardiff. And it's the first time Neil Harris returns to Millwall in the away dugout, Mark. That's going to be a peculiar feeling for him, isn't it? That's going to be really I weird. Mean, it's going to be a lot different given there's no fans there, which would have, you know, I would have been quite happy to see him come back. You know, I've seen Kenny Jacket come back when he was a manager of Wolves and we do have a bit of a hatred towards people that leave the club, but when they leave on good terms like he did, left us where we were in a good position, he came back with Wolves, and we were 3-0 down at one stage, so even then, people are still chanting their names, so, you know, it's going to be a bit different for Harris for having no one there, but I think it's going to be very peculiar, like you say, former legend, former manager, the job that he'd done, you know, I, I still take my hat off to what he did and he left us in a great position and, and we've moved on well since Gary Rowett took charge. So it's going to be a very interesting game of different balances. You know, we play more of a um, a football game now, I'm going to say it, because we pass the ball around a lot more. We change formation. 
compared to Harris. I still think he plays a bit of long ball football, which is a bit boring, but it gets you results sometimes. It does, yeah. And, you know, we talk about the, 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 the strangeness of him being in the away dugout at, at the Den is going to be weird for him. But he he's ever a professional and he knows that he's got a, a job to do. And, and the job that he needs to do at Cardiff, I think, is start to, to build up some consistent form because it hasn't really been there for, for Cardiff this season. You look at what he did last year with them when he took over and the same obviously for Gary Rowett and Millwall was he built that really consistent style of football and ended up getting them into a really good position come the end of the season that's not quite clicked yet this season the away form isn't too bad for Cardiff but um you know so that might worry you just a little bit heading into the into the weekend but um yeah he's he'll be the professional and he knows what he's got to do and uh, and and maybe that like you say that style of football it is a bit long ball compared to what Gary Rowett's doing at Millwall when he's actually trying to play a bit more on the pit on the on the floor. Um, you know, those two contrasting styles, who knows who's actually gonna benefit from that on the day. Absolutely. I think we've we've come a long way in the year since he left, but I remember when he actually signed a contract to sign for Cardiff as manager, I was very surprised because you know, they lost someone in Neil Warnock who we spoke about Warnock before, Mark, as how good of a manager he is and how much he's well-liked. But obviously, I, I saw comments on Cardiff's Twitter, people unhappy about the appointment. I know he played for Cardiff on a loan spot, but I think they thought it was a bit of a low a low managerial person to sign. You know, he'd only had one job and it wasn't the biggest job. Let's put it right, because we were a poor club in League One at the time when he took over. But the job that he'd done, and I'm really pleased that he's doing well at the moment. So just to wrap up this uh topic about Mill and Cardiff. Would you say both sides have improved since they had their new managers come in a year ago? I think they have both improved. Yeah, I think last season proved that, that they have definitely shown improvement. And sometimes that is what happens, obviously, with a new manager. A new manager brings a different take on the game when a team, I think particularly in Mill's case anyway, under, under Harris, it was starting to just become a repetitive nonsense, really. And, and after a while... You know that just that that deteriorates sort of the mentality that that the players have that they they know perhaps in their minds that they're not going to go out and get the best result or the get the best performance that they possibly can. Rowett went and brought a new element and a new style of football to Millwall. Harris did the same then when he went on to Cardiff, I think, and 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 improved that team from what Warnock had bringing when Warnock obviously came down from the Premier League with Cardiff, um, and it wasn't looking too good at the start. Harris picked it up there. Rowett picked it up at Millwall. And, and they both went on to uh, to really impress last season. Like I said, it, it hasn't quite clicked just yet, in my opinion, this season. Um, but I think in time, for both sides, you know, they're, they're both quite strong defensively. Millwall have got one of the best defensive records. Cardiff's is pretty solid as well. I think it's the goals that are lacking the two sides down. And if they can get that firepower going then, you know, I could see Millwall and Cardiff certainly in the top 10 and certainly battling for the playoffs. Yeah, good stuff, Mark. So the championship resumes on the weekend. It's been quite an interesting season again. I just uh, did my research earlier. The top 10 are separated now by five points, given Reading's demise of a few defeats and with the chasing pack closing up. Good stuff, Mark. So let's go 
and move our attention to the Premier League. Now, we have a big weekend of Premiership football back this week. But I don't think we can not start with talking about Liverpool and their, let's say, crisis, shall we, Mark? Yeah, injury crisis is one I'm assuming we're going to talk about. And the fact that it is, the yeah. fact that there's only going to be, it feels like there's just a few players that are going to be in that changing room um, this weekend. I just I don't understand, you know. The and obviously teams really just go through a very unfortunate period, don't they? It can happen to any team in any league where they go through just a really unfortunate period of losing multiple key players, and unfortunately, it's happened for for Liverpool at the moment at possibly the worst possible time because like we've said they're not they've not been firing on all cylinders on all cylinders apologies in my opinion so far this season and they coming up, they're coming up against the team that are now top of the premier league at the moment in Leicester to to have this yeah to have this lot of injuries happening at the moment is a really worrying scenario for them it's quite mad, isn't it? Because I'm just looking at the players that are out injured. Alexander-Arnold, Gomez, Van Dijk, Robertson. That's your back four already out. Your first choice um, back four that's been there for multiple seasons now are all out. Um, Henderson, Thiago and Mo Salah, who has tested positive for COVID-19. That's seven first-teamers who would probably all play had they been fit on on uh, Sunday. There's going to be a lot of youngsters in that team that have, have only had a few minutes or, you know, a few league appearances to their name. Um, and, you know, they're guys that have stepped up, particularly those couple of defenders. Um, Nathaniel Phillips uh, in the centre-back position and uh, is it Williams, Nico Williams, isn't it? At, um, at yeah, left, the right, uh, right back. back, sorry. Um, they're players that have obviously not got a lot of game time to their name, but but when they have played, have impressed. But there's no doubt that this is this is a big challenge for them because they are going to have to play a number of games over this next these next few weeks, and uh, are not easy ones as well. Obviously, with the likes of Leicester on the weekend. Yeah, and like we say, the build up to Christmas is coming. And we know about fixture congestion in England. You know, we don't have a winter break currently. We played throughout Christmas and it's still got three rounds of the Champions League left to play. So there's, there's a lot of football to be played and a lot of injuries that are there at the moment. So Liverpool are going to struggle. And also just looking at it as well, their backup Konstantinos Tsimiskas, if I pronounce that right, apologies to anyone listening. That's also their backup left back as well. So... It looks like we're going to have to put Milner, who would probably play centre midfield, is now going to have to be switched to left-back. So, you know, it, when them lineups come out on Sunday, which will be on telly, it's not on pay-per-view anymore. Let's say, well done to everyone agreeing that we should get rid of the fourteen ninety-five. Hats off to everyone, Mark. A little too late, but, you know, we won't talk about it. You know, when them lineups come out on Sunday, it's going to be very, very interesting for everyone watching, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. There's there's going to be a lot of people trying to trying to. It's almost like trying to solve a puzzle, trying to solve where each and every player is actually going to play on that team, with the exception of pretty much the goalkeeper. You are you're not going to properly know probably the formation and and the shape that that Liverpool are playing until the until the day until they're actually out on the pitch. So it's going to be a really interesting one, and uh, and and Leicester. They'll probably be thinking that they can 
they can capitalise on it. They'll be chomping at the bit to play this Liverpool team that's been uh, absolutely, you know, torn apart, absolutely played by these injuries. So, uh, yeah, Leicester, Leicester will be thinking it couldn't have come at a better time. It's also quite funny because I did read last night on Twitter and there was some amount of injuries that Leicester have had. So Leicester are actually in a similar boat at the minute, missing quite a few first-teamers, but they're top of the Premier League, Mark. And well, yeah, me and Matty mentioned it last week on, our, on the podcast when we were reviewing um, the Premier League from last week. And we said that, you know, this is the Leicester side that are top of the Premier League in better form than they were or have had a better start to the season than they did the year that they won the Premier League. And they've done that with about three or four of the players that would probably be in that starting eleven out injured. I think he mentioned Ricardo Pereira and Suyuncu were both out in the defence. There was definitely a couple of others um, looking further forward. And with that, with those players missing, Leicester are somehow still benefiting and still actually playing superbly well and getting the results. You know, is that just a, a, a sign of a strong team, a sign of a you know good manager that he's managing to keep uh, everyone else's morale and, and, and mentality positive? I'm not too sure. But, you know, yeah, sometimes teams can benefit from, from having some players out injured because the people that come in, I suppose, look at it as their opportunity. And I think that's what some of the Liverpool players are going to have to be thinking. This is their opportunity to, to step up and, and make a name for themselves. If they start getting some results, I'm not saying that they would replace the players that then come back from injury, but if they were to get some results, then that only stands them in good stead for the future. Yeah, absolutely. Now, let's wrap up on Liverpool. Jurgen um, Klopp's been there about five years now. Would you say this is his most challenging time since he started? Probably. Probably, yeah. Um, we, we, we said about it with Man City and, and Guardiola that he's going through his most challenging period as as a manager uh, certainly as a manager of Man City anyway and I think Klopp is probably going through the same now but for different reasons effectively isn't it it's different uh, circumstances that are making it a challenging time you know we've said that they're not firing all cylinders they're, they're struggling to keep clean sheets um, on a weekly basis which is always a concern even with a lot of those strong defenders you know people like people like Gomez you know we said that, we said that obviously he's out injured now but even he wasn't playing at his best in my opinion, I don't think he was at his best at all. No, he wasn't. Um, he wasn't. Which is is a concern. So, yeah, to now have all these injuries on top of the little concerns, probably that he had about the team at this point, it's going to make it a challenging period for sure. And um, and I suppose that the, the reason it is more of a challenge now than probably when he started is because when he took over Liverpool, Liverpool were a very different side to what they are now. This is this is a Premier League winning Liverpool that should be performing better on a weekly basis and, and they just aren't. And now with these injuries, it's going to make it worse. I know we don't wish injury on any players at all, but it certainly makes for an interesting run-up to Christmas and um, interesting for a neutral seeing how well Liverpool cope with all these injuries. Absolutely. Could completely alter the uh, the, the shape of, of this Premier League season. And, uh, you know, with teams like... Leicester and Tottenham and, and even Southampton and Chelsea performing like they are, you know, yeah, the way the actual the league table could look at, at Christmas could be an interesting one. It will do, and that brings me on to a question that I also have after. We talk a bit about the game on Sky on Saturday, which is between Tottenham Hotspur and Manchester City. Very interesting game this, Mark. 
the battle of Mourinho and Guardiola once again reignites at the new Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. How do you see this one going? Um, I I could see it being a a rather heated affair. I think the passion of Mourinho and Guardiola could could spill onto the pitch a little bit here. I think these are two sides that again they they know that they need to win. You know, particularly Man City. I think Man City probably need to win it more, and and they're going on this recurring pattern at the moment of needing to win their games more than the opposition team do at the at this moment in time because they need to get themselves up into the the top four. They're already six points off the top. I know they have a game in hand, but they've already got this gap uh, building from from Leicester and and Tottenham and Liverpool, and that's a concern for them. So they need to capitalise on these opportunities that they can beat Tottenham uh, even even away from home Tottenham, I think Tottenham would be quite happy if they if they got a draw from this you know, if they took a point that's that's not a bad result against a, a Man City side, even a Man City side that's struggling, if they can get a point they, they'd be pleasantly pleased I think Mourinho would take that all day, whether he'll set up his team to, to actually go for a draw it's something that Mourinho could do but whether he'll actually do that I'm not too sure, um I'm not going to say anything about goals because whenever we say about goals, I end up getting it wrong and it, it's a boring affair. So <laughs> I'll just go with the fact that it could be a it could be a heated affair this one, and uh, and certainly the passion of of two European managers could uh, could spill onto the pitch. You're talking about goals, but Tottenham are throwing off the highest scorers in the Second. Premier League currently. Chelsea. Yeah, second is it? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And just looking at goals. Yeah, the goal difference is very good. No, but you know. It makes for interesting reading. I actually fancy Tottenham to take the three points here. I really I do. I can see it. Do you think? Do you think maybe there's an edge to this, given the fact that Mourinho knows he can get one on over his rival? Or not? That that will, I suppose, that will play a factor. Yeah, I think so. Um, it will play a factor in that with with Man City not being at their best, you know, this would be an opportunity to put a. To put a little extra nail in the coffin, somewhat maybe of of man's of Pep Guardiola's reign, because you know we we we've spoken a lot about his um, reign at the moment and where he is and how long he could last. If things don't start to pick up for Man City in the league, then then things are going to get more and more worrying for Guardiola, and he might not last an awful lot longer. I don't know, you know, who knows there, but um, yeah, a, a, a win for for Jose would put a, a little nail in the coffin on that side and, and helping him to get one over. But I don't think he'll be too concerned about that. I think he'll just be concerned about trying to get a result and come away without losing um, more than he will about actually you know, winning and, and dominating this game. A win for Spurs would actually take them eight points clear of Man City if they was to win going into Sunday. So there's there's a surely an incentive there from Mourinho to get his side raring to go for. There that is, game. and I'm but, looking forward to. Uh, yeah. You know, you know what Mourinho's like. Uh, that's the thing. Yeah. We know, we all know what Mourinho's like, and I think that 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 will play a, that will play into the to the game. I think. Top stuff, Mark. Let's move on now. I have a question for you. Okay, this season we've seen. Quite a few underdogs, okay? We've seen Leicester top of the table currently. We've seen Southampton rise up. We've seen Aston Villa, very impressive so far. And also, we can say, talking about the likes of Everton and Palace, sat there in the 7th or 8th. Who would you say 
um, is your underdog up until Christmas? Who do you think is going to be around there at Christmas and not really move? I know it's quite a tough one, Matt. It's taking a bit of time to think about it, but who do you think of them underdogs will be around the, the top four or even top two? Do you still think Leicester will be there? Do you think Southampton can continue their form? Do you think Villa can go ahead after that 3-0 victory at the Emirates? I think that thinking? Leicester will still be there, for sure. You know, but I don't regard them as underdogs anymore because of you know what their exploits have been over the last few years and what Brendan Rodgers uh, did with them last season. I don't regard them as underdogs. I think that, that they should be looking to be in that top five. So I think that they'll be there for sure. Um, Southampton uh, will be an interesting one because, you know, with Danny Ings out injured for the next few weeks, it could could play a, a factor into to their sort of form and their next few results, their next few performances. So we'll see there. Um, uh, it, it's difficult, but, the, you know, there are so many good sides at the moment that are are really impressing and, and have exceeded everyone's expectations. Um, I think... If I had to pick a team, I think I would say Aston Villa uh, are potentially going to still be up there by the end of Christmas. Just looking at their next few uh, games that they've got, there's not really a lot of the big teams that they have to play uh, in the build-up to Christmas other than uh, Chelsea just after Christmas Day. Until then, you know, Aston Villa have quite a nice little run and I think they have to make the most of that because if they did, they could certainly end up having a very, very good season and, and exceeding everyone's expectations. You know, these games against Brighton, Crystal Palace, Newcastle, Burnley that they've got coming up over November, December, those are games that I would have said at the start of the season, they would have been relegation six-pointers. But with how Aston Villa have started now this season, it, it takes it's a very different spin on the game and I, I kind of look at it at the moment more as oh these should be Aston Villa wins whether they actually will be I don't know but uh, that's that's my opinion and that's what I think they should be looking to do It's quite interesting though you mentioned about potentially having an easier run up to Christmas but they thrived this season on playing the they big have. teams They yeah that yeah that that good win at the Emirates couple of weeks ago, that 3-0 victory, and also, you know, that 7-2 victory against Liverpool. So, you know, they might favour playing lower teams, but they thrive against playing top teams. So, it's quite an interesting comparison. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, there's a little bit of irony in it, I suppose. And, you know, there are two losses that they've had this season. The thing is, the losses that they've had this season haven't been against teams that have been down there, obviously, because one of them is Southampton, who are, you know, in a very similar situation to, to Villa at the moment. And the other one was Leeds, who have been a bit, a little bit topsy-turvy, really, I suppose. Um, you know, and, and had... Yeah. But we'll put that yeah, down I as think a bad so. day, I think, I think it was just a bad day at the office, that one. But, um, but they've got teams, they're coming up against a few teams that are in that little mini-league in the bottom five at the moment. Obviously, Brighton and Burnley are down there. Um, a couple of the other teams are, are yeah, West, West Brom, Brom, yeah, and then you've got Newcastle and Palace who are, again, sort of switching back and forth in terms of their form and, and their results. So, yeah, it's going to be a, an interesting one, but I could see them being up there come, come Christmas time. Whether they will be at the end of the season, who knows? But come Christmas, yeah, I'll go with Villa being my my side that will still be in that hunt. Special mention to Jack Grealish mm. over the international break. Really, really impressive him. 
I, I didn't watch much. I'm not watching much of England games, obviously against Ireland and Belgium, but I've seen bits and pieces, and you know, we've seen a lot of publicity about Greenish and how he's playing. So, well, yeah, well done, young him. man. Every play, mate. Yeah. every report, every we... fan that I, I've God. spoken to regarding those England games, if they watched it, they said that you know that Grealish was the standout, and that they just they wanted Grealish to start as well. And if he does start, he does make an impact. And even against Belgium in the in the loss, they said that he was one of the better players out there. Yeah, I think it's one of the very early stages of the podcast that I was quite surprised that he signed a five year contract. But I think that contract. And obviously working under Dean Smith for the minute, I think he's just got so much of a, a confidence, a swagger about him. You know, I spoke about his off-field issues. He's put them to bed. And he just seems like someone who wants to play football and is hungry. And you've got to admire that from Jack Greenish. So, you know, all credit to what you're doing, mate. Keep it up. And, you know, in a way, it seems at the minute we're going to have to work a team around you because Southgate <laughs> doesn't have a clue what he's doing. Yeah, I'd sadly have to agree with that, which is quite alarming coming up to the uh, the Euros next year. But... Yeah, he if for me if if things continue this way, he's in the team. He's in the team come uh, come the summer, twenty twenty one. But isn't it nice to think we ain't going to talk about international? It's a big relief. Yeah, it doesn't March. doesn't mess around with uh, our our podcast too much now. Yeah, I just find it a real annoyance in general. I, I just don't like it, especially I not really like you know it. with with everything that's going on this year. It's just extra addition of games where. People, you know, sometimes we forget. I, I said it uh, earlier this week that, you know, with the increasing number of COVID tests that are actually happening for the players at the moment and more players coming out as testing positive, you know, that's that could easily be happening in international games that are just there as a hindrance. And um, and then you feel sorry for, for the players, you feel sorry for the team. But we ultimately forget that these players are human beings that are, you know, risking they are risking themselves whenever they go um, onto the football pitch um, and whenever they travel to different countries to play these international games. So we forget that they're, they're humans that, that have a, a life to, to try and live and, and, and you've, got to, you've got to deal with that. Yeah, I just want to wrap up here by saying I just find it really silly that we're playing three games during an international break after teams have come off with Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday games. It's it's ridiculous and too high of a too high of a game to have so often. It is. So um that's the championship and Premier League wrapped up, Mark. So I'm gonna hand you over to yourself to let you talk a bit about League One and League Two. Yeah, well before we talk about what comes up on the weekend, League One and League Two are obviously still around for those of you who Sometimes maybe you aren't interested in Premier League and Championship football. You want to watch a little bit of lower league action. And there were a few games that went on um, over the course of the weekend. And a, a, a couple of surprises, really, in League One to start with. The fact that a couple of the top teams, uh, they really missed out the opportunity to extend gaps at the top. Peterborough and Sunderland both being beaten by Crew and MK Dons, respectively. Big, big surprises there for those two sides and any of the teams that did capitalise, the only one really being Hull City, who uh, beat Burton 2-0 on Saturday. Uh, Burton went down to 10 men after 20 minutes. Hull capitalising in the second half. Malik Wilkes and Haki Vadalukan with the goals. But it does mean that things are are really sort of tightening up in League One. And you say about the fact that, uh, you know, there's there's quite a tight gap 
between first and and eleventh. I think you said it was in 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 the championship. You know, there's only six points that are separating first to ninth now, and and the difference being in League One is that a lot of these teams are having games in hands as well because of COVID tests that are taking place and and teams having games postponed. So you know, even a team like Accrington Stanley, who probably yeah, three games three, in three hand. Three games yeah, in hand. Now, They've got eighteen points. You know, so they're only seven points off the top of the table. And probably my team of the week because of their two uh, wins, their two back-to-back wins that they picked up uh, against Northampton and Swindon on the on the week. But um, yeah, some some surprises there. Some some results that maybe we didn't expect in League One with with Sunderland and Peter are both both dropping three points. It feels a bit like Sunderland just don't want to get out of the league at times, isn't it? Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, like they're just having a com- like they're having a competition with Portsmouth, who <laughs> doesn't want to go up, and it seems like they're both just trying to enter the competition. But yeah, there was a big chance for Peterborough there against Crew. Crew have actually had two decent wins, beating Peterborough and also Oxford last night, so they picked up a bit of form. Um, yeah, Peterborough was quite a surprise. Hull were very good, but you also got to remember now. This this was what I think is scandalous, Mark. Hull played Burton, who had a number of players mm. out through COVID positives and also isolation. Yet they still had to play the game. I do not understand it. It's no, I do agree. Yeah, it's it's a little bit of sort of one rule for one and and a rule for another that uh, that Burton had to to play. I'm sure they could have probably requested that the game was postponed or that they 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 could have waited. Um, yeah, it's a little bit unacceptable, and um, and I feel sorry for them. And, and with things, you know, not looking good if you're a Burton fan anyway. With them at, at the uh, at the foot of the table, they haven't won um, in their last ten games. They've only picked up one win all season, and then to come against the whole side that are obviously performing very very well and, and at the top of the table, that's that's unfortunate for them. Um, so yeah, I do agree. It's uh, it's it's out of order that that's what's had to to happen. But it does mean that the the league has closed up a lot now, like I say, and uh, coming into another have, big yeah. weekend of football in League One, you know, back to the Saturday Tuesday routine for the next couple of weeks. Some interesting affairs taking place, and uh, a big one in midweek. If you're looking at the top of the table, would be uh, Ipswich versus Hull City. Um, obviously, Matty that we had on last week was you know, speaking good things about Ipswich, and and rightly so. Um, especially their home form, because as he said, they've got five wins and they haven't conceded. So, you know, Ipswich's home form could play a big factor this weekend because both their games, in fact, are at home. Any other particular standouts there for for League One for you this this weekend? Um, <laughs> let me just get the pictures up. Have a little look. <laughs> I'm not. I'd like to say it's really bad. I apologise to anyone listening. I, I really do need to take more of an interest in. League One, League Two, but um, just looking already: Accrington versus Lincoln, Doncaster, Sunderland, Fleetwood, Plymouth. There's some real tough games there. No one is easy. No one is easy to beat in League One. It's it's a lot like the Championship, where the teams are very difficult to play against. Whoever you are against, it's such an interesting league. I don't want to be in it, but I had a question for yeah. I had a genuine question. Okay, Mark. Now this 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 is probably. Going to interest you as well. Okay. We've seen the international break affect Championship and the Premier League. It gets wiped out, doesn't it, during obviously the international break. Now, do you think maybe we should look at having League One and League Two in that? Because your team, Charlton, have had 
I think it's all of their games called off, isn't it? So yeah, the two games that we're supposed to have played during the international break have both been called off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you think it's an unfair advantage like to the other teams? Because you have games in hand where you have to make up somehow. And given the busy schedule we've got this season, you're going to have to find somewhere, somewhere, some cold Tuesday night to play it. And those players can go off to internationals and get injured, couldn't they, Mark? I, do you think maybe we should look at maybe scrapping it and having a complete wipeout for the international break or just carry on with League um, 1, League 2 like it is already? I, I would respect having the postponement just across all four leagues. As much as I do, you know, if I, I was going to say, as much as I do like the fact that we still get to play during the internationals, we don't get to play because we've got a number of international players, so we still miss out. But I suppose when you then have to make up those games later on in time, it puts a different take on the game because you're going into it thinking, right, we, we obviously have to win this game because we are so-and-so amount of points behind our opposition. You know, that that might not be sort of the take that you would have on the game if you play it at the same time as everyone else, if you get what I mean there. Um, so, yeah, it's yeah, a different take on it. And, and yeah, some teams... Like some teams are missing out in that case, and uh, and then they have to go and make up for it at a later date, and then it just congests the the the, the fixture list, and and uh, it becomes a yeah, it becomes a never-ending cycle really. And 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 when you've got games that are getting postponed for other factors as well, of course, this season, it just creates a, a massive back backlog um, of fixtures that that maybe we wouldn't wouldn't particularly want. But you can look at it both ways, I think. But uh, yeah, yeah, we're coming up to obviously. A, a busy period, as we say now, because we've got all these games coming up. We've got a couple of games before uh, FA Cup comes back up next weekend, of course, and that's going to create even more of a fixture congestion for for teams that are in the second round. Fortunately, uh, Cholton's game that weekend hasn't been uh, postponed because both two the two teams that are playing aren't in the FA Cup anymore that weekend. So that's a that's a positive. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting ones. And and one thing I do also want to mention. Looking at the bottom of League One, you know, we've spoken a lot about the the bleak times that have been uh, been placed on Wigan, and they're still, you know, at the foot of the table. Things kind of got a little bit from bad to worse, really. Went a little bit from bad to worse for for Wigan because uh, they've lost John Sheridan to uh, to Swindon, um, and obviously Swindon, are, you know, only a few places above them in in a very similar battle um, uh, in the relegation zone. So. An interesting appointment there, and 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 even more of a nail in the coffin for Wigan. Just seems a bit of a never-ending cycle at the moment, does it? It's all it doom really and gloom is. Yeah, if you're one of those teams in there, it's it's real doom and gloom. Unfortunately, um, a lot of teams that are really just getting suckered into to bad runs of form, and and Wigan are are no exception. You know, they haven't haven't won in their last seven. Again, worst scorers in the league, you know, one of the worst defences there. So, dark times for Wigan and uh, could potentially seeing them, see them slip into League 2. And with the games coming up this weekend, Wigan haven't got it easy. Two games in a, a relegation battle. Oxford, who are still down there themselves, and then Bristol Rovers, who are on a run of four without a win and obviously sacked their manager, um, Graham Cotland, in the week, I believe. Ben Garner, sorry. Ben, ben yeah, Garner. Graham was before, wasn't he? Still is it me? Yeah, Ben Garner, sorry. Uh, sacked in the week. So, yeah, things could 
they could pick up for Wigan if they are to get results in these relegation six-pointers early on in the season, but it could get worse for them. Who knows? But uh, we will see in League One. We'll look at League Two as well. And uh, League Two, again, there were some games that did take place uh, this weekend. And, and one thing was that Cambridge uh, missed out on the opportunity to go to the top after a 96th-minute goal from Barrow on Saturday, uh, claimed a one-all draw for Barrow against Cambridge. So it means that they missed out on the opportunity to go top. Um, it was a good weekend for a lot of the teams down at the bottom of League Two. Uh, Mansfield, of course, taken over by Nigel Clough. Uh, he got his first league win for Mansfield, a 2-1 win over Forest Green. So it goes to show how a new manager can come in, make a massive difference there, because Forest Green are you know up at the top of the table looking for automatic promotion. And then a new manager comes in at Mansfield who haven't won all season, all of a sudden go and get three points there. Uh, Cholton Boyd, George Lapsley on the score sheet for Mansfield there. Good week also for Scunthorpe down at the foot of the table. Back-to-back wins against Oldham and Port Vale mean that they are now a couple of points clear of the relegation zone rather than being in it that they were. And a good win for Southend as well. They went and got their first win of the season. Still five points clear at the uh, uh, five points from safety, but uh, finally getting their first win, an 88-minute winner um, against Warsaw, giving them the result. And not not a particularly good week also for, for Richie Wellens, who obviously was appointed the Salford City manager. And his first league game for Salford was uh, on TV on Friday night, Sky Sports, against Bolton, who we've said, obviously, Bolton need to, to pick things up and start to turn things around, but... Bolton ended up get, getting a two 0 win themselves with uh, with that goal with the sorry with the the performance um, on Friday night. Owen Doyle on the score sheet and a Turnbull own goal as well, giving Bolton all three points. So things not not an awful lot obviously changed last weekend um, because there weren't many games in League Two, but um, looking at League Two this week, Mansfield. Again, they play on Friday night against Colchester, 7 o'clock kickoff on Friday night. And then looking at the uh, Saturday games, Newport have a tricky one um, against Port Vale. So they try to stay at the top of the tam- table. Cambridge away at South End now, reinvigorated after their first three points of the season. So Cambridge will be uh, up for a bit of a challenge there. Cheltenham at home to Walsall, Cheltenham third in the table themselves. And then uh, teams like Exeter against Oldham and Carlisle at home, away sorry, to Crawley, who still have that incredible home form um, that they have. That's going to be a difficult affair for Carlisle. But things, yeah, tightening up again in League Two. And, of course, you know, it's still very early days, so a lot of things changing, tossing and turning in both of the uh, lower leagues of the Football League. And one thing I do want to point out, the news that came out this morning, uh, obviously you said, Charlie, recording this on a Wednesday morning, um, news that came out for all of the Football League, for the Championship League 1 and League 2, was that um, five subs permitted again. Um, what's your thought? Yeah, it came out this morning that, that, um, that all of the Football <laughs> League uh... can go back to using five substitutes, which, uh, you know, I, I understand it in some level, um, but it became a bit frustrating last last uh, season when you had to use certain windows. I don't know if that's still the case with the rule coming back this season, but you had to do all the five substitutes in three 
windows um, during the game. So, uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not a massive fan of it. But what's your take? It is, yeah, starting from this weekend. From this weekend, or is it the end of November? Like, that? okay, um, I think it was good when it came in last season. I, I know people had um, disagreements about it, but I thought, given the fact that it was quite warm at times and players weren't at peak fitness, I think it was a good idea. But I think now, no, I don't think we really need it now. I just think it's a bit, it's a bit stop-start at the moment, and I'm not really a big fan of it for now. Maybe in the summer, but I don't agree with it coming back in. It's, it, it's a tough one because I know most managers actually quite like the idea, but as, as a fan, you like to see the game being played quite a, a decent pace. And if you're making a sub every five minutes, you know, someone can make two subs one minute, five minutes later, the other team makes two subs. It's a bit stop-start, isn't it? You, you don't like that real um, sort of stop-start feeling, but... You know, it's been agreed and there's nothing we can really do about Absolutely, it. Absolutely, yeah. But I do completely agree with your point. That, you know, last season it made perfect sense. Totally understand it because, you know, they, they all the players had had, what, three, four months out, effectively, maybe even more. Can't remember really for last season. It seems like such a long time ago already. Um, but, they, you know, they'd had a lot of time out where they weren't match fit. And uh, to make those five changes was uh, uh, beneficial to them all. But this season, you know, all these players are back in full swing. They should be by now because you're, you're 10, 10 plus games into the season. So they should all be in full swing and uh, and not needing to come off uh, you know, as much. So a peculiar one for me, but um, we'll see how it pans out. You you can see it sort of being the, um, a bit of time-wasting tactic, I think. You can make two subs during the game, about 60 minutes or whatever, and then... You're you're holding a one nil lead, so it gets to about the eighty seventh, eighty eighth minute. You make one sub, and then you do a two sub again. It's yeah, just going to completely slow like down the round again. Normally, anyway, with three subs, bloody annoying. Yeah, and just bring someone on late on just to kill a bit of time. But you can see it really happening because managers can be a bit more. I'd say, um, can't think of the word. A bit more controversial, I suppose, with the tactics because we saw. Was it Brentford's manager last season where they had, funny enough, the drinks break? He did, yeah, the with the board up on the uh, onto the pitch, yeah, and that's you know that was an opportunity to to discuss tactics and whatnot. I don't think that I don't imagine that that will be allowed. You know, you can't do that um, on during those opportunities. But uh, yeah, there, there won't be a need for a drinks break, will it? It will just be for the subs, and um, and I don't think that. Yeah, I'd like to say I just don't think it's needed. It's unnecessary. It's another another unnecessary thing at the moment. Yeah, um, I, I, it feels like there's a lot of unnecessary things really taking place in in football at the moment. It's um, it's a very weird time to be a football fan. I think not just because we're not in stadiums, but there's a whole different growth of new ideas are coming up with, and it sometimes takes the thrill out of football. If you get what I mean, like. Don't get me wrong, I love doing this podcast. Or I know we love talking about football, but sometimes you think, is it really worth it anymore? When like, yeah. it takes the throw out of football. No, I do. Yeah, I get it. I don't know if you understand what I'm trying to say, but football football's changing in many ways now, and it's not becoming exciting. It's, for you're having to keep up fan. with everything that's changing as well, isn't it? You, you know, as a, even as a fan, it's like you're having to change with the times and change on a weekly basis because the the FA or 
you know, the EFL were doing something that's different. And, and that's why we have to keep tabs on it. And I completely understand you not, you know, if, if someone misses something out, like, you're, you know, you, you didn't see the news because it's so easy to miss because there is so much that just keeps taking place day after day, week after week. So, yeah, it becomes frustrating at times, even when you're trying to do a podcast like this on something that you do really enjoy and you love talking about football. But, you know, when there is constant news, it's so difficult to try and keep up with it. And, and eventually you are going to forget things. You are going to miss things out. It just, it's going to happen. I mean, this is episode 21 we've done. We've done a mixture of different podcasts, but we this is our main focus that we do every week. And it seems like we're talking about something different every week. Not that it's a bad thing because it's a good opportunity to talk about things, but it's sort of like, You've got to know what you're yeah, talking about as absolutely. well. Absolutely, so much yeah. different things. And uh, takes its toll a little bit. So you do, yeah. You need to keep on on tabs. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think that's uh, no, no, League One and League Two covered. Like I say, it's a, it's going to be a busy weekend, and and we'll we'll get back to the the reviews of Saturday and Tuesday, um, as of next week. So looking forward to it, and hopefully, plenty of goals to discuss. I reckon that's that's going to be that's going to be the story of this weekend. Plenty of goals to discuss. Yeah, absolutely, Mark. So from all of us here. We've really enjoyed the Drinks Break podcast this week. And we, as we always reiterate to everyone, if you'd like to be on the podcast, we'd love to have you on. You know, we've had many different people come on already, but if you'd like to come on on this podcast, whether it's talking about your club, joining one of our quizzes, you know, just give us a message anywhere and, and we'll get back to you because, we, you know, we really appreciate the feedback we've had. We've seen our views go up, which they have, because we're getting the content out. And if you'd like to come on, then by Absolutely, all means, just, uh, yeah. Please do feel free to right like, right? share um, on any social media platforms available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, wherever you can find us. Do just give us a listen and share with your friends and family. Absolutely, Mark. So from all of us here at the Drinks Break Podcast, take care and we'll see you all soon in the near future.